Welcome to the Wealthy Circle Podcast, where we take a deeper dive into this year's finalists and winners from our wealthmanagement.com industry awards. These interviews cover the challenges, innovations, and trends in the wealth management industry and the individuals working to help advisors better help their clients. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Wealthies Podcast. My name is David Armstrong, the editor of wealthmanagement.com. And this, as you know, is the podcast where we speak to the winners and finalists of our wealthmanagement.com industry awards. And now I am pleased to have Aaron Klein, the CEO of Riskalyze, join me. Aaron, thanks very much. Thanks so much for having me, David. It's great to be here. Riskalyze, as you know, has been a perennial finalist through, I think, from the very beginning of these awards. From the and, very and, beginning. Absolutely. We appreciate your participation and and the judges recognize the work that you guys are doing there. Before we jump into some of the, the initiatives that you submitted for this year, tell us about what's going on with Riskalyze. I mean, I think most folks know who Riskalyze is, and I think it's a pretty busy time for you this right now. But where are you guys at? Where where are you at right now at Riskalyze? It is a busy time, but it's it's a great time. We're incredibly excited. It was about a couple of weeks ago that we announced our recapitalization, which is you know a big event for us. We've we've been working and in, in innovating in this space for about a decade. And after a decade of work, we had early angel investors who had been invested for 10, going on 11 years. We had a growth equity firm that was invested for getting close to five. And they were like, hey, we can do seven, we can do eight, you know, whatever works. And, uh, and but we looked at that and said, you know, it's, it's probably time to get our early angel investors who stuck with us from the very beginning to some liquidity. And so we went out, had some great conversations and ultimately partnered with a really fantastic software and services investor headquartered in London and New York called HG. And HG has just, they've been a prolific investor. They manage over $37 billion in assets across their fund family. They love innovative, scalable businesses that change the way that businesses do business. And that really reflects what we do for financial advisors, helping to change how financial advisors you know, serve their clients and engage with their clients. And so we just found great alignment with them around our vision for where the wealth management industry is going to go, for where advisors need to go, for where investors need to go, and how we can invest to do that together. And so this recapitalization effectively, you know, it's not a huge amount of change for our customers because what it really just means is that before this transaction, the company was owned by our angel investors and FTV and, you know, myself and the management team. And after this transaction, It'll be owned by myself and the management team and HG. And so I'm, I could not be more excited to get to partner with HG for the next chapter in Riskalyze's story. And just super excited about, from my perspective, this deal more, more investment, more innovation, and driving more growth for the financial advisors that we love to serve. Is HG relatively new to the US wealth management space in terms of an investor? They've done a few different things. They do invest across technology, but they've done a few interesting things in, in, in terms of, of wealth tech and fintech. They've actually done quite a lot in, in broader fintech. But when you think about wealth, one of their big investments today is a, is a firm called FE Fund Info, which is really one of the leading data and software providers to financial advisors and fintech firms in the United Kingdom. So really, we are one of the big exciting things about how we're partnering together is this is HG 
from HG's perspective, this is their uh, opportunity to really go into the U.S. market and, and partner with us to build a big, scalable partner for wealth management enterprises and financial advisors. And so certainly a, a really great endorsement of the tech stack decisions that all the clients that we serve today have made. And we're excited to deliver more investment and innovation and growth for them in the future. Speak to me a little bit about what you guys are working on lately for advisors. And I'm thinking more of the submissions that you've nominated here for the wealthmanagement.com awards. Connected trading, what is that? Yeah, yeah. well, connected trading uh, it was really uh, a bunch of innovation centered around trade delivery for our trade automation platform, right? So let's start at the fundamental level, which is Riskalyze Trading is our trading automation platform that really gives advisors more control and capability and automation in how they trade. If we look at our user base, about a quarter of our of the advisors that we serve leverage managed account platforms or TAMPs. And we partner with those managed account platforms and TAMPs, and that's great. But three quarters of them are managing accounts on their own. And so if you double click on that three quarters of our user base, about 30% of those users are using or trying to use some kind of rebalancing tool. And the rebalancing tools were really built for like institutional trade desks that kind of spit out spreadsheets of trades. But the other 70% of those users, they're still hand typing trades into custodial platforms. And so we really built Riskalyzed Trading to disrupt hand typing trading tickets into custodial platforms, make that more automated and easier for advisors. But along the way, we discovered that the user experience for a lot of the rebalancing tools is so bad that we have a lot of advisors coming over from the rebalancing tools to join Riskalyzed Trading and, and become a part of that platform. And so it's grown tremendously. Advisors are now managing well over $23 billion of assets on that platform. And that's that's growing at a tremendous clip. So connected trading is about deep integrations and using the electronic fixed trading network to digitally deliver those trades into the custodians in, in an even faster way. So if you don't, to be clear, if you don't have connected trading, there's a couple of different methods for how to actually deliver the trades that Riskalyze Trading calculates into your custodian. And the most popular is automated files, right? Like it will spit a file out in Fidelity's format or Schwab's format format or TD's format or LPL's format, and you can upload that file into your custodian and bam, all those trades are going to go execute. Connected trading just takes that automation to, in, to, a, to the next level. And we partnered with FixFlyer for their really fast, super fast fixed trading network uh, to deliver those trades electronically into the custodians and get real-time feedback. So you get to watch on your screen. You might have 300 trades affecting 150 accounts across two custodians, and you can click one, one you know, execute button inside of Riskalyze and watch all those trades go out to those custodians and those client accounts and in a totally compliant block trading format. And then watch all those trades get filled and then watch them allocate into client accounts. So it's a really beautiful experience. It really makes things a lot faster and, and more efficient for advisors. And ultimately, that's a big part of the vision, right? Is that if we can take, I, it was in wealth management that you guys published a study that said that the average advisor spends 14 hours a year per client doing manual back office work. Mm -hmm. And from our perspective, it's all about crunching that 14 hours down to six. That's what's gonna drive allowing advisors to democratize access to their advice and, and make sure that the benefits of advice actually reach more people. Yeah, for sure. And is this the sort of thing where there's a disparate group of fintech or wealth tech providers 
each have a kind of a stake in the advisor's desktop. And then there's this kind of bleeding out, right? This expanding from that point where you're going into areas adjacent to what you're native at, right? Risk tolerance. They, they, they call this the fight for the desktop, right? And as we see companies kind of trying to get their hooks into the advisor desktop, it makes sense that these companies would then try to expand the the circle of what they do for the advisor. Is that kind of yeah, your- I, I mean, I, I think that's fair to say, David. I would put it this way. You know, look, we started our central core where we began was really about helping advisors make decisions for their clients, right? And so, you know, if you think about everything that we do with, you know, our core risk alignment capabilities, our portfolio analytics and investment research capabilities. It's all about helping advisors make better decisions for their clients. And what became really clear to us in regards to trading was that it needed to be a lot easier to then take that decision you just made and actually put it into practice and implement it. We have a very multi-platform view of the world in that way. Okay, Riskalyzed trading is a great way to implement your decisions if you are part of that group of, of advisors who want to keep control and management of your client accounts for yourself. That's, you know, again, I feel like this is almost a religion. I talk to advisors who say, I will never do it any other way. I want to keep control of those accounts. I want to trade for myself. There's equally fervent believers in using managed account platforms, advisors who love using InvestNet, who love using Orion, who love using AssetMark, who love using, you know, all the different solutions that are out there for for managed account platforms and, and automation and efficiency in that way. And so we very much believe in a multi-platform strategy. That's why you see, for example, we've had a long-term integration with Orion. We work very closely with them in that way. And you can take a proposal and riskalyze and implement it directly onto the Orion platform. There's more we can do, and we're going to continue investing in that. That's why you see a lot of investment in our InvestNet integration. We just shipped risk questionnaire integration into InvestNet. We will do more there to make it really easy for advisors to take a proposal in risk and implement that directly onto the InvestNet platform. And so there's more work to do, but we really believe in a multi-platform world and we don't view this as a zero-sum game. We want to help support the advisor making great decisions to then go implement those decisions more easily into the world. The other thing the judges, I think, recognized before this year was the newly expanded Riskalyze Partner Store. The Partner Store is, I think, a really exciting set of capabilities. And again, another place where we're going to do even more investment in the future. But, you know, the Partner Store is about delivering investment research right to the desktop of financial advisors in the form of model portfolios. So there's all these great firms that are delivering something that advisors used to have to pay very, very large fees to get. And that is investment research in the form of models. And you've got firms like First Trust, BlackRock, PIMCO, American Funds, so many other providers there that we love to partner with. Invesco is another great partner there. So many great partners. Wisdom Tree just joined the partner store. So a lot of great partners who are building a model, they have their investment teams building model portfolios. And it's really incredibly powerful for advisors to be able to tap into uh, the intelligence and the capabilities of the investment teams at all these different asset managers with a single click. On the partner store, they can go in and just subscribe to a certain asset manager's models, and then they can place their client accounts in those models, and they're going to get alerts when those models change. And that really allows them to stay in control of their business, but also 
tap into the knowledge, expertise, and and insights that of all of these you know investment teams across some of the world's best asset managers. So it's definitely been a really exciting set of capabilities, and it's it's something that we intend to invest even more in in 2022. Both in terms of maybe adding more partners, but also in terms of adding more capabilities to make it even easier for advisors to tap into the that the, the knowledge and the insights inherent in the partner store. Yeah. It, explain to me how this works though, because it seems that there's a tension there between the kind of bespoke investing that a client needs based on their risk profile, their risk tolerance, what the advisor can do and the trading capabilities for that client on the one side versus the models yep. on the other side, right? Which are- Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, for one thing, let's be clear, not a single asset manager puts one model in there and says, here's what you should put all your clients into. You're right. People are individuals and the risk number, I think, has has documented that pretty effectively. And so, you know, what we see is just about every one of those asset managers is delivering seven, eight, nine models ranging from risk numbers 20 to 80, let's say, okay, where the vast majority of the clients are so that advisors have a tool or a solution that can fit their clients on an individual basis. The other thing I would point out is particularly in the context of risk-based trading, you can actually go in and do some pretty cool things to allocate your client accounts across multiple models. So we we have advisors who will say, I want to put, you know, 70% of this client's account in this first trust model and 30% of this client's account in this Investco model or this PIMCO model or whatever, and, and kind of mix that up in different ways to add multiple flavors of asset management into a single portfolio. So there's a lot of different ways. We've tried to make it just infinitely flexible for how advisors can leverage the research coming out of the partner store. They can use an individual model. They can create models of models. They can have multi-model portfolios. And uh, frankly, a lot of advisors also, and, and the asset managers love this, a lot of the advisors will actually copy the research and kind of blend different things together with their own ideas and a couple of different asset managers. There's really no one way to use that. And that I think is the richness that you're talking about where advisors can really customize solutions to to fit their clients at an individual level. Other finalists here that you had, Justin Boatman, SVP for marketing. The, The two nominations for CEO of the year and CMO of the year, it was definitely high honors in both regards. I'll get mine out of the way first and just say like, huge congratulations to Bill Krager. My gosh, like I've had a front row seat at the transformation work he's been doing over the last year and a half, two years. He came into that job, the late, great Judd Bergman tragically passes away. And Bill is kind of, he's been with the firm for years, but he's kind of thrust into like, he is the guy and he's got to figure out how to how to take InvestNet to the next level. And just to watch what he's done, I, I was so thrilled for him and huge congratulations to Bill on winning that. And it was a huge honor to just be nominated in the same category with him and so many great CEOs uh, that were nominated in that category. My hat's off to each one of them. They're all like really impressive people. In terms of the CMO of the year stuff, I am very partial to Justin Bowman. I will tell you, like I hired him into wealth tech for, for his first job in wealth tech in 2015. He is hands down. And I mean, no disrespect to all my great friends who were also nominated for that award, but like he is hands down one of the most impressive marketing leaders I have ever met. So, you know, uh, I love Tony at, at Advisant, like one of my great friends, and he's going to get a big high five from me at our Fearless Investing Summit in a few weeks for that win. But man, Justin Boatman is, is CMO of the year in my book. But there you go. Huge congrats to Tony as well. Let's not pass over the CEO thing so quickly. Okay. <laughs> 
what about your backstory? How did you come to this company? How did you come to found Riskalyze? What were you doing beforehand? Well, it's a, that, that's, it's a unique time for you to be asking me that, David, because this past weekend, we actually got to celebrate my dad's retirement from his industry after 42 years. And I actually, my dad gave me my first job. I worked for him for his company for 12 years from age 12 to 24. So I'm not kidding you. I was hired at the age of 12 in the afternoons after school. My dad knew absolutely nothing about child labor laws. (laughs) And he also knew absolutely nothing about minimum wage laws. So like, I think I worked the entire week and I got a paycheck for $5. And just to be clear, when I was 12, that, that was still not a lot of money. So anyway, all that to say, my dad taught me a lot of incredible incredible things. One of them was just the the pure grit that it takes to be an entrepreneur. He was in a tough business and certainly tougher than the software business. What, What was the business? Wholesale distribution of automatic gates and security equipment. Everybody had the same product. Everybody, it's very low profit margins. It was a brutal business. But one of the things that my dad taught me was that relationships are everything. That if you take care of the clients that you love to serve, they will take care of you. And we have tried to infuse that philosophy here into uh, everything that we do at Riskalyze. We talk about how we're customer obsessed, like our primary core value is delight. We, we, We don't exist to just do what the customer says. We exist to find ways to engineer a moment of delight into the day of every advisor that we serve because we, we focus really hard on what they're trying to accomplish. And then we try to invent a better way to satisfy their interests that far exceeds their expectations. We want to avoid that syndrome of that Henry Ford talked about when he said, if I'd asked my customers what they wanted, they would have told me a faster horse. We're just customer obsessed about that. And frankly, that comes from the lessons that my dad taught me years and years ago when I was working for his company. I did a few other kind of startups, internet things. You know, this thing called the internet was emerging then. And I was doing a few different things there. Little business focused on payments that sold to a, a larger competitor. Did, did a business software thing that kind of didn't work out very well. And then I was working, like I said, Uh, I think before at a division of an options brokerage firm. And I I was leading teams that were building technology products for options traders. I remember talking to my buddy, Mike McDaniel, who was a financial advisor. And I said, Mike, it is crazy how the average individual thinks about the concept of risk. And he said, Aaron, if you think that's crazy, you should see how many of us financial advisors think about it. Like we just have not had the tools in our profession to understand who our clients are and really match them up with the risk in their portfolios. We run this entire industry on old wives tales, like invest your age in bonds or try to figure out if your client is conservative, moderate or aggressive. And we have no idea if like the client and I and BlackRock mean the same thing by the word moderate. Imagine if contractors and architects were trying to build an office building and they communicated by saying, don't forget, they want a moderately conservative hallway leading to their moderately aggressive conference room. Like there's a reason we use feet and inches on blueprints. And and so that was really the vision that led us to start Riskalyze was we wanted to put the feet and inches into this process for financial advisors because... If if the vision that that was true on day one, that is still totally true today, and that is going to power us for our next chapter, our next decade in the future, is that if we can help financial advisors build a framework for their clients so that their clients can understand and react to risk appropriately, that is what transforms a fearful investor who makes bad decisions into a fearless investor 
who makes great decisions. And ultimately, it's a series of great decisions on the part of the investor that a financial advisor can transform into an amazing long-term financial outcome. So that, that's the vision that has driven us since day one. It's the vision that's going to drive us for the next decade of building Riskalyze on behalf of the advisors that we love to serve. How many people at Riskalyze now? How many employees do you have? Nearly 200. 200. We say this to advisors all the time, right? That, that the person starts the company isn't always the best person to run the company. How have you kind of crossed that line or, or think yeah. about that line between entrepreneur and executive manager? I, I would tell you this, there's three different kinds of CEOs from my perspective. Everybody has skills in, in a variety of places, but I think that if you were to ask every CEO, like, like, where is your strongest suit? You can break them down into three groups and that's like finance and sales and product. I am at my core, a product focused CEO. I, I understand and I'm conversant in finance, but I've got a really good CFO to help me do that. I, I understand and I talk to customers all the time, but we, we've got great people who understand how to work with customers and grow them and help them grow. But my, I try to spend most of my time somewhere between three and six quarters into the future and focused on product innovation that we can deliver. And you know what keeps me up at night and working hard is figuring out how to keep us so nimble and so innovative that we can continually accelerate how fast we can deliver on that future. There are far too many horror stories of organizations that slow down and become really bureaucratic as they grow. And I view my job to keep us as one of those, you know, kind of day one organizations that is just always focused on being obsessed with delivering innovation to advisors and solving hard problems for enterprises. And I, as long as I'm effective and able to do that, I feel like I'll be a, a perfectly fine CEO for the company. The day when the company outscales me, maybe that day will come. I'll have to see. There's a reason I have a great CEO coach, a great board, good mentors. And that's because, you know, my vision is I'd love to continue uh, leading this company for as long as, as it makes sense. Uh, for me to be effective at it and to continue delivering what we really feel a great responsibility to deliver to the advisors that we serve. Looking three to six quarters into the future and making sure that you're vital there means that you are keeping track of all of the trends in the wealth management space. The, the Trying to, yep. In six quarters, where are we? What's, what's on the roadmap, either necessarily for you guys or just for the industry in general? Yeah, in that's a great question. AI or whatever it might be, I don't know. That's a great question. I mean, look, really close to home. I do think that like what is very clear to me, even six quarters out is that risk solutions in the 2020s, you know, an advisor not having a risk solution on their desk in the 2020s is a little bit like an advisor not having a computer on their desk in the 2000s. So I think that that's a, a trend and that's certainly a really good tailwind for us, for sure. I think another big trend that, that also probably helps us is that design is key. You know, in other words, software has got to be easy to use easy to understand, most important for advisors, easy for their clients to understand. Mm -hmm. And we've always believed that advisor tech has got to, it's not the end in itself, it's the means to the end. So it has to fade into the background so that the brilliance of the advisor's work can shine through. And then if I think about, you know, one other big trend that I would say is going to be really interesting to watch, I think is direct indexing. We have not shipped a direct indexing product 
We don't have any current plans to ship a direct indexing product at any uh, immediate time in the future. But I would tell you that the idea of delivering more personalization into the experience for end investors is one that that absolutely has legs. And you know what's going to be necessary to get there is a lot of innovation at the custodian level. I believe direct indexing would already be a big business. And frankly, we'd probably already be in it if there were more custodians that could do fractional shares. So right now, direct indexing is really a game for very large accounts. It, you know, you can do the math on it, but it really doesn't pencil for accounts uh, of the average size that our that our profession serves. And so, what what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to push the envelope on on some of the innovation at the custodian level to deliver fractional capabilities to uh, financial advisors. And when we can do that, that's when I think things like direct indexing are going to really, really take off and provide a, a whole new level of personal that that I think advisors are going to really value. Is it just cost prohibitive? I mean, I know some of the custodians out there do do fractional trading. Is it just cost prohibitive then to bring that down to a kind of an average size client account? No, look, if the custodian can do fractional trading, I think that it's particularly today where we're more in a, a zero transaction fee environment, then I think it's workable. But like from everything that I see right now, you're basically talking about Apex, Mm-hmm. And you're talking about, I'm probably going to piss off some good friends by not mentioning their firms, but there's, there's frankly a smaller, a small handful of the upstarts that are really doing fractional trading at scale right now. If you look at like kind of the big players, Schwab, and of course now they're merged with TD, but also the TD platform, uh, Fidelity and Pershing, they have not delivered that capability into institutional accounts yet. And I think, look, like they've got, I think they're all thinking about it, working towards it. I would just tell you that I think that, you know, that them shipping those big custodians, shipping those direct indexing capabilities, that's going to be a big turning point for the industry because it's hard for advisors to kind of move assets across custodians. And, you know, there's a reason, but, but look, I, I can't say that somebody like Goldman or Apex or somebody like that isn't going to come up and like really use fractional shares as a way to drive a lot of disruption in advisor custody. It's going to be super interesting to watch. And our job is to make sure that we're supporting advisors no matter where they custody and helping those custodians who innovate to, to deliver you know, our piece of the tech stack of innovation to help leverage those capabilities. Aaron, thank you. We're past our time, but thank you so much for joining us. And congratulations on the finalists nominees this year. Hope to see you maybe in a few months at your conference and uh, hope to see you next year at, back at the awards. Fantastic, David. Thanks so much. And this has been The Wealthiest Podcast with David Armstrong. Thanks for listening. This content has been made for information and educational purposes only. The views and opinions represent the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views and opinions of wealthmanagement.com.